Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Welcome into Coffee Break. I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. And as we told you yesterday, the focus of this month is on heart health. And we've got a couple of folks from St. Peter's Health lined up today. And we're starting the show with Dr. David Cranacker. He's a primary care provider out there at St. Pete's. Doc, thanks for taking time with us this morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Can you share a little bit about yourself? Give uh, what? What's the Dr. Cranacker story? Sure, sure. Well, I went to uh, Rutgers University back in New Jersey for my undergraduate, and then I went to medical school in uh, Creighton University, which is in Omaha. Uh, from there, I went to residency in family medicine at Penn State University and uh, graduated from residency in 98 and came out here to Montana and been with here in Helena ever since. So how did you get kind of, I mean, you started East Coast. I guess you've slowly been working your way west. Well, yeah, there was kind of a seven or eight year detour in between there. I went out to uh, UC Davis and got a PhD. (laughs) (laughs) uh, In between, that's where I met my wife and uh, we just decided that we love the west and so we'd find a way to uh, live out here. Yeah. I actually did a uh, one-month rotation up in Browning on the uh, reservation mm-hmm. and uh, just fell in love with Montana. And, and so, so you've been here in, in Helena for how long now? Uh, since 98. So okay. Said going on 23 years, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and there are a lot of areas to get into when we're talking about medicine. Why primary care? Why to sort of choose one of those, uh, you know, umbrella things rather than get very, very specific? Right. I just like the variety. Um, I'm afraid if I, if I got into one specific area, I would get bored. And so I just like seeing, you know, uh, I can see osteoporosis and then I can see heart disease and then I can see somebody with a cold. And then after that, somebody who needs to work on their weight and somebody who's got a, a fracture it just kind of goes down the list. Yeah. So I like jumping around. Dr. David Cranacker, our guest on Coffee Break to start the show today. And uh, I understand you're pretty involved with growing food, working with Helena Community Gardens, that sort of thing. I am. I am. Uh, we've been involved for several years, both myself and my wife. We, uh, we have two major gardens that we're involved with. Uh, one is the Selma Held Garden over uh, by Touchmark. And the other one is called the Jubilee Garden. That's behind St. Mary's Church over on Missoula Avenue. But we grow quite a bit of, uh, of crops for food share. Uh, we try to practice what we preach. I'm a big believer in food as medicine, and especially with heart health, I think it's very important. We try to grow locally sourced organic products that are going to help people be healthy. Yeah. Keep their weight down. Uh, keep their blood pressure down, stay away from diabetes, keep their heart healthy. So that's, that's kind of been one of my pet projects I've worked on for many years. Yeah, and it's neat that you're getting that yeah. food out to, you know, uh, to food share. I mean, that, that that's that's a win-win. That's one of Helena Community Garden's mandates is to make sure that we're giving back to the mm-hmm. community. And uh, so it's always a, it's one of the most enjoyable things I like about the garden. So, so, so uh, Doctor, the, uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Sure. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, I was going to say, you know, last year between the two gardens, we we did over forty five hundred pounds. So wow. we have a lot of people that are very involved with getting this food out. 
I, I think we understand just in the, the idea in general, right? The concept, but how important is healthy eating when we're talking about heart health? Well, it's becoming more and more important as, as our understanding increases. Uh, there's a lot of new research going on just showing how critical it is to get away from the processed foods that's become so much as part of our diet since the Second World War. Uh, and uh, the how many people do you talk to say, oh, I have, I have a, a gluten intolerance? Well, they really don't. They have a processed wheat intolerance. Okay, if they can, they can eat the, the wheat that's uh, the ancestral wheat, they have no problem with that, for example. And same with the heart. There's a lot of bacteria that live in our gut. I mean, trillions of them, hundreds of trillions. And when we feed them healthy food, those bacteria are happy. And they make products that help our heart and the rest of our body to stay healthy. Now, when we start eating unhealthy foods, the processed foods, the junk foods, things that are high in high fructose corn syrup and, and the like, right? different types of bacteria then get into our, into our gut. And they make nasties, and those nasties cause inflammation throughout the body. And so we've got lots of great studies, and this is all new since I've been in med school. This is all, all these studies have come out. But there has been a real movement now to say, what can we do with our diet to get away from, from some of these harmful products that we're consuming that are causing problems? So, and I, I mean, when I was in med school, we were taught avoid high fatty foods. That's how you keep your heart healthy, and you know I, I stuck to the, I, I stood by that and I preached that to my patients for for years, and then and then these new studies are coming out. Fat is not a bad thing; it's the type of fat that you get. For example, mm -hmm. I mean there there are types of fats that don't appear in nature that's in our food, hydrogenated fats, for example. All right, those cause all sorts of bad things to happen to us, especially our heart. Yeah. Primary so, care provider, uh, Dr. David Cranacker, is with us today, and we're talking heart health. And uh, maybe a silly question, doctor, but I think maybe you can probably delve into it a bit more than just the surface answer that most of us could give. Why is heart health important? I mean, why? Why there, there's so many other things we can focus on, but uh, heart health is really sort of that central pillar, isn't it? And and it is, it is, and and it is one of those things that my patients fear is a heart attack. And understandably so, it's the biggest killer in America. It's the number one leading cause of death, this coronary artery disease. And so, you know, so why is the heart important? I mean, obviously we need to have the blood flowing throughout our system. And a healthy heart is gonna get oxygenated red blood cells to the tissues. Oxygen is extremely important to our, to our tissues. And, you know, that, that heart, which is essentially a pump, needs to be working optimally in order for us to make sure that the whole rest of the body stays healthy. And so got to keep the pump happy. Yeah. And uh, we mentioned eating healthy, but what are some other key factors to, to do that, th things that impact heart health? Well, in addition to diet, I mean, exercise is a thing that we're always trying to stress. I always recommend to my patients a minimum of 30 minutes, five days a week at some sort of minimal aerobic activity, even if it's walking at a, at a reasonable pace, that will keep that heart healthy. Um, and you don't need to be climbing Mount Helena five days a week, but 
this, even walking back and forth in your living room if you're doing nothing, that will make a big difference. And we have great studies that show that if you're overweight, even if you do not lose one ounce, if you're exercising, you're going to be healthier. Your heart's going to be healthier. And so, um, so exercise and health are the two, I mean, I'm sorry, exercise and diet are the two major components of, a, of heart health. Now, sometimes we need to just go to the medication because you know, genetics happens. Mm -hmm. and some people are, are born with, with things that predispose them to heart disease, um, cholesterol. I mean, some people just have high cholesterol. It's part of their genes, and the only way to really affect it is to give them medication. Dr. David Cranacker is our guest this morning. We've got a couple of minutes before we've got to let him go. And you mentioned their cholesterol, obviously that important. Can you explain what you're looking at there when you're looking at cholesterol? Sure, sure. I mean, let's say that you go to your doctor and you get a blood drawn, what we call a lipid panel. All right. I mean, lipid includes several different things besides cholesterol. But you'll get a several numbers back. You'll get total cholesterol. You'll get low-density cholesterol, you'll get high-density cholesterol, and then you get triglycerides. So the cholesterol, the, the total cholesterol number is not nearly as important as it was considered 40 years ago. Now we look at the good and the bad cholesterol. Now, the bad cholesterol is also known as the LDL, okay? Uh, I tell people LDL stands for loser cholesterol. <laughs> and then the good cholesterol is HDL, happy cholesterol. Now, the uh, bad cholesterol, the LDL, we like to have that number should be ideally below 100. And the good cholesterol ideally should be above 40 So, in, in when, when, the, when the numbers come back. Now, the, the ratio of your good cholesterol and bad cholesterol is also very important. I have... Like, let's take two patients. Let's take a 60-year-old woman who's got a total cholesterol of 240 and a 60-year-old man who's got a total cholesterol of 240. Well, that woman may have a bad cholesterol, her LDL, that's only like 70, and her good cholesterol is like 120, whereas the man may have a bad cholesterol of 160 and a good cholesterol of 30. So... Clearly, even though they have the same total cholesterol, the ratio of good to bad is different for those two patients. So you really want to try to get that bad cholesterol down as much as possible. And we do that how? I mean, is that through the stuff we've talked about, eating more healthful foods and being active, that sort of thing? Being active does help. The, I mean, losing weight is probably the, the major thing that you, that you start off with if you're, if you're overweight. Um, trying to increase the amounts of fruits and vegetables in your diet and decreasing the amount of processed foods, especially processed fats. Natural fats are fine with, within limits, but processed fats are what you want to avoid. Um, I try to tell my patients at least three to four servings of fruits and vegetables per day minimum. Five to six is better. You can have whole grains, and you can have whatever your source of protein that you want it to be. Now, being in Montana, I really try to recommend all of my patients eat local, locally sourced foods, locally sourced beef, locally sourced pork, locally sourced chicken. 
there's a major difference between one of our cows wandering our hills eating our grass and a cow in some feedlot who's being fed antibiotics mm -hmm. and growth hormones and all sorts of other things. We still don't know what the long-term effects of those are going to be on us. So um, a lot of these, a lot of the cows that, that are grown in Montana locally, studies are showing that they're about as healthy as game. You know, so if you get, if you get locally sourced beef, it's about as healthy as, as an elk, for example. I like it. I've got a doctor telling me I don't have to cut down on my red meat in order to be healthier. I I, I like this, Doc. It can be 25% of your diet, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, it's still a low number, but you know? I'm going to take it. Dr. David Cranacker well, you know. is, was with us on Coffee Break this morning. Uh, doc, i got to let you go, but I appreciate you taking time. No problem. Thank you so much. Stick around. We've got more coming up on Coffee Break. We're still talking heart health after this. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. Welcome back in. This is Coffee Break, and I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for hanging with us today, and we're finishing the show chatting with interventional cardiologist, Dr. Elizabeth Holper. Uh, thanks for taking time with us this morning. You're welcome. Good to chat with you, Troy. Yeah. Now, in addition to being a brand-new interventional cardiologist there at St. Pete's, I hear you're the newly named medical director for cardiology. Is that right? That is correct, right. yes. I didn't even bring, uh, I didn't send you balloons or a cake or anything. I feel bad. That is completely fine. <laughs> Everyone's really busy right now. Well, explain both of those to us. I mean, what does that mean? What do you what do you do when you go to work every day? So it's interesting. About a decade into my career, my mom came and visited me at the hospital, and I came out of a procedure area, and there was blood on my gown, and she said, oh, my gosh, there's blood. What are you doing? <laughs> and I realized I had never told her exactly what I do. So as an interventional cardiologist, we're not surgeons. We do procedures where we put catheters in through the arteries, either in the wrist or in the leg, bring catheters up to where the arteries of the heart take off, inject dye, and if there are blockages, we help to open those blockages and put a little metal tube to keep those arteries open. So we take care of patients with chest pain, with heart attacks, with abnormal heart pumping function. So that's really what an interventional cardiologist does. In terms of what I do at St. Pete's every day, I'm a cardiologist in the hospital. So if you're admitted to the hospital there, you will see myself or my colleague, Dr. Fenton, who are really designed to focus on the inpatient side of cardiovascular medicine. And then we have another excellent team on the outpatient side. And my job as the medical director is to really focus on that inpatient side of cardiology care to optimize those services for folks in the community who are getting their care there. 
Dr. Elizabeth Holper with us this morning on Coffee Break. How long have you been a cardiologist then? Well, so I finished my training after medical school to be an interventional cardiologist. You have to do internal medicine for three years, cardiology for three years, interventional cardiology for a year. So after seven years training in Boston, I finished in 2002, and then I have been practicing since then. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when you say that the interventional cardiologist, that's, you're, you're working there in the cath lab. I mean, that's one of those things where for you and, and the doctors say, well, you know, it's a, it's a standard procedure. It doesn't sound standard. I mean, this sounds very complicated. <laughs> well, I think that it takes some time to do it. I think that it's an incredible team of physicians and physicians who participate in this care. And so it's certainly not standard for, for any of us. Each one patient, while the risks are rare, we take them very seriously, and so each patient is done as, as carefully and thoughtfully as possible. Uh, but it does really offer a lot of significant benefit to patients, and so it's an important part of cardiovascular care. Yeah, so why that specialty? I mean, why, why the heart? Mm. Well, uh, you know, actually, I knew in medical school that I really liked when it mattered most, when people were critically ill and you had an opportunity to make a big difference. And I will say on my very first day of internship at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, the very first patient that I saw had a cardiac arrest in the ICU. And the three of us as interns looked at each other and we were frozen. No one <laughs> knew what to do. Everyone else ran in. We froze for a moment and then ran in. And I think that was very influential for me. And from that moment, I thought, wow, this team just knew what to do and took care of that patient. And I thought, I want to be that person who can make a difference in just a second when someone really needs it. Yeah, that's got to be. I mean, just the, the the leveling up from, you know, everything you're supposed to do. You've read the books, you took the test, but now literally it's somebody's heart. That That's different. It is, but I think that right now what we've realized over the past year is that it all matters. It's mm -hmm. not, it's, it's cardiology matters, lung matters. It's sort of, you know, we've had a big focus with the pandemic on overall health care. And when someone is really sick, every specialist, every specialist and every part of their medical care is, is really critical to optimize outcomes. So I think that I'm, I'm a member of a team that, that really focuses on every, every aspect of healthcare. So what's the best part of the job? I mean, what is it that sort of, because this can be, I, I know it's got to be some days very draining and very emotional. What keeps you going? Uh, it's the patients that, that keep me going. It's the patients that you make a difference on that you, it's not only just saving a life after a heart attack. It's a, you make someone's chest pain better. You make their heart failure more managed where they can have a good quality of life. It's taking care of patients that can get, then go out and have a longer life with their, with their children and grandchildren and have a quality of life to keep them active. And when they call and come back and say, I'm, I'm so glad that what you did has allowed me to have this, this life and quality of life, that's the part that keeps you going. And able to come in at the middle of the night and um, and really believe that it, it matters and makes a big difference. We're chatting this morning with Dr. Elizabeth Holper. She's an uh, interventional cardiologist at St. Peter's Health, and we talked about it earlier, but interventional cardiology, 
you're dealing with a lot of different people. It's not just people that come into the emergency room and they're having a heart attack. I mean, I, I think that's what a lot of us think. Cardiologists, you, you work on those emergencies, but you probably see a pretty wide array of people. Absolutely. It is. It can be anything from significantly elevated blood pressure to congestive heart failure to heart valve problems to blocked arteries. So there's a big spectrum of disease entities that can fall under cardiology and interventional cardiology. And while, yes, I'm an interventional cardiologist, while the name says cardiologist second, I'm a cardiologist first. And so all of that, and then internal medicine prior to that. So really, we focus on everything that can fall under cardiovascular medicine as an interventional cardiologist. And we see all of that at St. Peter's and manage that full spectrum of disease. And February is Heart Health Month. Can you give us some advice? Uh, you know, what advice do you have for people to sort of ensure that they keep their heart as healthy as possible? We, we already talked with, uh, uh, with, with a doctor in the first half, uh, David Cranacker, and we talked a little bit about that. But let, let's get it from you. What, what is your advice? Great, Troy. Such a good question. And my biggest piece of advice to anybody listening is if you have heart disease, keep in touch with your cardiologist so that everything is optimized. If you don't, talk to your primary care provider about what your risk factors for heart disease are to ensure that all of those are optimized so you're not someone who's coming in urgently to see me in the hospital. I'd much rather see you out and about in the community at the grocery store at the gym than sick in the hospital. So those risk factors would be diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, a family history. Now, you can't do much about your family history, but some of those other risk factors, each of the people listening to your show has an influence on how those are managed. And so I say talk to your primary care provider. Know your numbers. If you have high cholesterol, how does it look now? Know what your cholesterol profile is so that you can know that we're doing the best we can to optimize those numbers. Yeah, and and so you really have to be proactive here because we reactive means like you said you're in the emergency room at that point correct and and this is why i like to say know your numbers what's your blood pressure and if your blood pressure is that number where it should be and write it down put it in your phone put it in a notebook have it and bring it to your doctor's appointments so that we can look at those and say hey this looks great or hey we have room to make this look better because it's many years of those numbers that help you to really optimize your risk and reduce your likelihood of having a heart problem. So it's it's obviously a little bit individualized here, but what's a good blood pressure? I mean, we could go to Walmart today and, and sit down. I think they still have that little arm pressure thing there, but you can buy one well, of those things. Actually, you know, they're, they're not that expensive. What What's a good blood pressure? What should we be shooting for? Well, it's a great question, and what our targeted blood pressure is varies depending on whether you've had heart problems or you have diabetes or whether you do not. In general, if you are otherwise healthy, we want that top number on your blood pressure, so we have a top and bottom number, and they have fancy names, but just consider top and bottom. We want that top number if you're very healthy, ideally under 130. If you have had a heart problem, we'd like that top number under 120. So it gets stricter so that we can manage it better. In terms of the the bottom number, if you're otherwise healthy, we'd like that number under 90. 
However, if you have diabetes or heart problems, ideally we want that number under 80. So in general, we want those numbers under 120 to 30 on the top, 80 to 90 on the bottom. If you know those numbers, you can look at what you measure either at CVS or Walgreens or on your home cuff. And if it's not there, then call your doctor's office. Remember, a lot of this can be done over the phone. You don't have to go in. Mm -hmm. Blood pressure management can be phone calls with your provider to adjust medicines, talk about those numbers, and see how to make them look perfect. We've got just a couple minutes left this morning with uh, Dr. Elizabeth Holper. She's an interventional cardiologist out at St. Peter's Health. And uh, during the pandemic, I mean, what, what does that mean for us and our heart health? Do, do we have to be doing anything different right now? The most important part of the pandemic in terms of heart problems is that for understandable reasons, many patients were nervous to come in and waited at home with symptoms of heart problems. Mm -hmm. So we know, and we have this well-documented, that folks coming in with heart problems during the pandemic are sicker and more acute and are in a more dire situation than they used to be when you came in sooner. So what I can say now is that St. Peter's has had an amazing response to the pandemic, and there are situations and guidelines in place to allow you to be safe, so do not wait at home. That is the most important thing that I could say right now. If you are having symptoms that are concerning for heart problems and are and feeling really sick, do not wait to come in. We will take care of you. We will take care of you safely, and make sure you do not wait at home and coming in an even sicker situation than if you came in right away. We've got about one minute left with the doctor this morning. I wanted to check what you thought when we talk about the vaccine. If somebody is is, is one of those folks you just talked about, they, they already have some heart issues, um, some kind of condition, is it safe for them to get the shot? Should they be getting this vaccine? Absolutely. If you have a heart condition, you fall into that risk of patients that are higher risk because you have a medical problem. So if you have not talked to your provider about getting vaccinated, please do it today because you are at higher risk if you come in, if you get exposed and have COVID-19. So please get vaccinated. It is safe if you have heart problems and it will protect you in a way so that you don't get sicker if you come in. So please call your primary provider. Doctor, you got 30 seconds to give us one thing that we can change, one habit we can add to our lifestyle that's going to help out our heart health. Stay active despite the pandemic, despite weather. It's Montana. It's cold a lot. So stay active, even if it's going to Costco and walking the aisles. Be active and take a look at your diet and ways that you can improve your diet. Those two things can make a big difference in your overall lifespan. You nailed it with time to spare. <laughs> Thank you so much, Troy. It was great talking to you and hopefully we'll get to talk again in the future. Yeah, I appreciate your time so much. Interventional cardiologist, Dr. Elizabeth Holper, thank you so much. And thanks again going out to Dr. David Cranacker, our guest in the first half. That's all the time we have. We'll see you back here tomorrow. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.